This is Coast and County Radio's Extra Time Podcast in association with Scarborough College and powered by Grundon Graphics. 97.4 FM, through the Vales, across the Moors and along the coast. Extra Time, sporting reviews and opinions from those in the know. Welcome to the latest edition of the Coast and County Radio Extra Time podcast with me, Andrew Snaith. And I'm very pleased to say that on this week's edition, we're going to talk a bit of rugby union. Um, my guest uh, this occasion is Bruce Reed from Whitby Rugby Club. How's it going, Bruce? Uh, yeah, good. Thank you, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good to have you with us. Um, so on the Extra Time podcast, if you haven't caught it previously, we'd just like to talk a little bit more broadly uh, with our guests about their um, time uh, playing their particular sport. Um, and I know, obviously, you've been heavily involved with Whitby for some time. I think you started out uh, with their juniors. Um, can you remember that that first sort of Sunday morning session up at the, the show field uh, when you, you first got the opportunity to uh, to play a bit of rugby? Uh, do you know what? I can, yeah. Um, it would have been 2002-2003 time-ish, just as uh, England were competing in the World Cup. As that started, got swept up in the summer. I was always, you know, in the scene on telly. I was always a big kid. And I looked more like Phil Vickery, Martin Johnson, I did Kevin Phillips in Niall Quinn, so rugby was always going to be where I went. That was going to be my question, actually. So, so you know, as you say, a lot of kids uh, are football fans and they want to emulate the footballers, but you went down the rugby route. Um, was there any any particular influences other than that great England side that, as you say, went on to to lift the World Cup with Johnny Wilkinson uh, kicking us to victory? Um, do you know, uh, like my dad's a big football man, always has been. I mean, come from a big just sporting house of fans, you know, the cricket, the rugby, the football. We always kept abreast of that. When I was eight years old, I used to go down the Turnbull and watch Whitby Town. But no, there was no like external influences pushing me into the oval ball. Just took it upon myself to once I went, I loved it and haven't looked back. Yeah, I was going to say, just tell us a bit about those uh, those early uh, early coaches that you had as a youngster. But as you say, obviously something must have really uh, given you the bug and, and, and made you think, well, this, this is really what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, I was incredibly lucky with my youth rugby. I mean, I started out seven, eight years old with a man called Andy Taylor who was um, very high up in the teaching. So the way he knew exactly how to talk to kids brought me on perfectly, got into it, obviously. A bit bigger than all the other lads my age. I had a bit of joy that. And as I got older, I had uh, Jim Fountain who taught me how to enjoy rugby and he used to be very big on taking us to watch Leeds when they were in the Premiership in Newcastle. So that got me like into the experience and seeing these man men mountains just running into each other. And then as I got into my teenage years, um got in a great Colts team with a coach by Matt Webster. Um at one point we were the third or fourth best team in Yorkshire with a squad of sixteen. It was an unbelievable experience to be involved in. 
Fantastic. Uh, and, and so you progress through the ranks uh, uh, with Whitby. Um, and, and presumably, but I've always heard what a, you know, what a really highly rated setup it is at Whitby. They've always had uh, a real emphasis on bringing through young players. Did that also come through on the social side as well? I'm presuming you, you, you made friends as you went through the ranks as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm still in, I'm still in touch with the youth team. The lads who've moved away with work, obviously, with being the, the Yorkshire coast as it is, you are going to get a lot of lads moving away. But we're all still friends and we try and meet up once a year. And when we do, it's just falling back into order of teams, which is great. And a lot of lads in this team, I'm probably like the median age. And we have a few lads up to five years old and a few up to five years younger. So it's a great social setup then as well. Brilliant. I was going to say, and a lot of the time you, you often see it with, um, sort of particularly with things like, like combat sports, things like boxing and judo, karate and things like that, that not only does it teach you the sporting side, but it also sort of develops you as a person. Is that also the case with rugby, do you think? Um, I'd say so in some respects, yeah. I mean, from the age of seven, eight, like, no matter what the score is, you look your opposite number in the eye, you shake their hands and say, thanks, good game, well done. And then it's over. And I think that's an incredibly important lesson to learn that rugby's good at it. Along with the teamwork aspect, which, I mean, the boxing, jiu-jitsu and everything, it's great and I have the utmost respect, but Rugby learn like I can't. I'm nothing without the fourteen of the lads. They're nothing without me. And as well as the respect for your opponent, you have, you learn to work. It's a, such a great sport to be involved in. Yeah, and, and and I think it's quite good to compare with other sports as well. Um, I mean, football being being possibly the the best one to do the comparison with not just the fact that, it, that the two sports sort of grew out of each other as well all those years ago when they were first formed um but but also the the fact that football's very popular but there seems to be a very different approach in terms of of, of how players conduct themselves um i mean what are your thoughts uh, around that um yeah i mean yeah. I think it just comes down to referees. It's always just yes, and also in rugby. Uh, I, I don't know. I think they're never going to change their minds. Like you, you probably get more, I believe, out of talking calmly to a referee saying, "Sir, what's gone on here? Why was I penalised?" And then the next time. But I mean, I, I don't want to knock football. It's a great sport, and I do love it in spite of. Being a long-suffering Sunderland fan, it's an absolutely brilliant sport. But, yeah, I think it's just the way you're brought up. And I've heard a lot of footballers talk about getting in a referee's face to let them know, and that will influence decisions. Whereas, oh, I think rugby, and as well, it's such a territorial game. If you march back 10 yards in, in rugby, it can be three points to none, you know, it's a very stupid, it's not stupid to talk about him. It's not smart to get on the wrong side of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Do you, do you think the, the, the referees in, in, in football might, might do well to learn from maybe the, uh, the equivalents in rugby, perhaps, in, in terms of their approach? To be honest, I'd say so, yeah. I mean, you look at rugby and 
Nigel Owens, Wayne Barnes, both who were the two best referees in rugby union, in my opinion. They're both charismatic people. The mic'd up approach, I think, works as well. In the fans know what's happening. Mm. Oh yeah, it's just and then being able to talk and say, I made this decision because of this. Same as the uh, VAR in football, which I know is a bane of everybody's life. That was going to be my next question, actually, Bruce. Yeah, do you, do you think that 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 could come in because VAR? It, it, I'm I'm sure it's going to be changed and streamlined over the years, but. A lot of the time, the, the fans in the stadium and people watching at home as well, to some extent, are a little bit sort of left in the dark at times as to why something's happening or, you know, while the check's being made, there's a bit of uh, uncertainty. And also, they'd have that in cricket as well, where you can actually have the third umpire mic'd up so you can hear the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it seems a very simple step. I don't know why they wouldn't have brought it in. Uh, just to know what they are looking at. I think as well in rugby, uh, it has gone through phases with the TMO being used for very minor things, but now it's at a place where it's things the referees miss that's worth a red or yellow card, you know. It's like, uh, you know, it's a fast-paced game, same as football. Uh, when I have a look at this 10 yards back, Glad's had his head knocked off or he's gone late or whatever, and then scorings and offsides I think especially with football I think rugby we get the benefit of the doubt to the attacking to that side uh, there's a lot of focus on the question they ask it's, is it a try yes or no I don't have a clue or is it uh, I think I've seen them score can you just confirm it can you see anything to not award the try I think it has to go to it's a perfectly good goal can we double check it or whatever so you'll spend less than five minutes looking. If you can't see it wrong in 30 seconds, then just go with it, would be my opinion. That's interesting. I mean, do you, do you think, I mean, the only the only reason I can think as to why it hasn't happened, or the only couple of reasons I can think of, first of all, I know I know obviously there is some, some money in rugby, but just not quite on the same scale as football and the, the you know the World Cup, the Champions League, the Premier League as well. All the money sloshing around there, um, that that these decisions get scrutinised in so so much detail. You know, you you'll see it on the back pages and it'll be talked about on match of the day, match of the day too, and it, for days and days on end. Uh, and also the fact, I mean, I don't, I, I can't, uh, I, you know, I have to admit, I don't, I won't know rugby in anywhere near the detail that you'll know it. Um, but is it um, as, as open to interpretation as the, the rules in football are? I'd say so. I mean, a lot of the breakdown, it's it's hard to see from a spectator's point of view. So I think you probably need the referee's communication more. I think that might be the thing of being, look, uh, the cross has come in from the corner and there's a tug on your number five by red number 16 or whatever. It's better than just going, yeah, free kick. Mm. I yeah. think. And I think another thing might just be simple as languages. I mean, in rugby, you're probably looking at an English Premiership club game. You might have a French, a couple of French lads, a couple of Argentinians, and the rest. All right, South Africa, Samoa, they, they do speak other languages, but will be pretty much native English speakers. So whether there's a communication downfall with the international nature, the premiership, who knows? 
Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting um, addition there. Of course, uh, um, rugby maybe not played quite as uh, extensively around the world as uh, as football is. Um, but it's it's all a good it's all a good topic of conversation. But I, I do agree. I think I think there needs to be. I don't see any harm in having the referee explain things. I, c- I can only think that it is just the way that <sighs> people take football. Just I don't know. It just feels like it, it's just scrutinised so much because there's so much riding on it financially. Um, uh, I don't know. They they just you you, you couldn't quite. Uh, have the referee maybe been brave enough to to explain himself in that much detail? We'll see, you know, he might get something wrong and it'll be absolutely jumped on. But I do, I do think it would be good. I, I would like to see it happen. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'd ever want to be a referee. Um, I think it's, I think it's a very tough job. Um, I mean, have you ever had to do the job um, in in terms of rugby? Have you ever refereed a rugby match? I've done a few uh, like junior under fourteens where they're just starting to play like fifteen aside on a full pitch on a Sunday morning when they've been very very desperate and it is not for me. Full respect to referees for how they manage to do it. I mean, boys, yeah, it's not for me. It's very hard. I think, especially same as football, cricket. Hockey, tiddlywinks, junior sport, you've got the parents who are wondering why little John's not playing for England. And they're probably worse than the players themselves. It's a, it's a hard, hard job. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I know football, it's well publicised. There are, there are problems on the sidelines and junior games and, and often it is parents that are, are, that go over the top. Um, but, and, and I would have assumed that rugby wouldn't be as bad, but I mean, do you, do you still have those sort of problems in rugby sometimes? I mean, there's still those problems. Uh, not to the extent, I mean, I've seen, uh, like football matches, not to the extent of that. When you're still going to have, I mean, it's a physical sport. If you see your kid get their head taken off by somebody, you, you're going to shout at it. It's, it's about keeping that in check with, like, what's a re- reaction about concern for your child and wanting them to do well compared to wanting the opposition to do badly, I suppose. From, I mean, I'm not a father, so I wouldn't know. I imagine it's a fine line to check between great, he's going to score a try compared to yeah, knock him over. Yeah, oh, that's, that's that's a very interesting point, actually. As a, as a parent, um, I have to say that I'd, I feel like my heart would be in my mouth a little bit if my little one was playing rugby, but... Um, it, it's you know as you say it's a much more it's a much more physical sport, albeit I dare say, um, it, it would be maybe less physical at that 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 starter junior level. Um, is is it mainly tag rugby up until a certain point? Do they do that uh, when they start out? Yeah, it's changed since I was a kid. It's a much more gradual progression now. So it goes from tag up until I think it's eight years old. And then it's kind of a if you grab all the that's a tag. And it's whereas out it went from saying she meant a from childhood. I thought I was playing for more I was playing really ten. 
But yeah, so it seems to be a graduated thing, which is good, especially with the scrums and the set pacing. Yeah, I was going to say, is it a little bit more gradual in adding the more the more physical elements to it? Um, so, as we've mentioned, uh, you, you've made your way through the the junior ranks at uh, at Whitby. Um, can you remember your first game for uh, for the adult for one of the adult teams? Uh, I can. You have to be seventeen to play senior rugby. I said seventeen on the Monday, on the Saturday, I played for the second team. Uh, Ashford, first touch, which is, I think I've got 10 in the 10 years since then. But I scored my first touch, uh, got beat 40 points to 25 or something, fairly close. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I was going to say, so you, you, you were, you were drafted straight in when you were old enough to, uh, to play. Um, I mean, rugby's a little different. I've noticed that they tend to get those teams announced quite early on. You, you know you're going to be playing um, a day or so beforehand. Maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know if you're told even even uh, more in advance. Um, is there any sort of preparation for that? Are you prepared for it? Do you have any initiations or anything like that involved? Um, what, what was it like that first time? Uh, so the first time, it wasn't too bad. The seconds. Uh, we're always a bit more relaxed. It was quite I had a year in the second team it was a real good mix of good old lads finishing their career in the field. That was absolutely no massive initiation with the seconds. I got to train with the adults for the first time. I mean, it was the same size you have now, so I wasn't physically out my way. Yeah, when on the Tuesday did the contact, that was fine. And then no, no initiation with the seconds. First team, I when I was leaving then, I'd just been turning, just turned eighteen. For uh, you had to down a pint, sing a song, like the shirts, and after the match kind of thing. Nothing too wild and horrific like the stories you see. Yeah. Um... But uh, I mean, was it what was it like for you as well? Obviously, you 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 come through there. You were a Whitby lad. Um, big sense of pride in stepping up to play for uh, the seconds, and then very quickly for the first team. Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of weird. I I always played because there wasn't a team for much of my junior career. I always played near up because I was. I mean, I'm a big lad still. I was a big lad then. I stopped growing it. 12 or 13, so I'm 6 foot 3, 6 foot 4 now. Uh, so a lot of my mates were playing first and second team rugby, and I was just sick of not being able to play with them, so, but massive amounts of pride. Especially the first team debuts, I, I played a cup game at Redker on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. That was like a couple of weeks after my second team debut, which was my first, first, first team appearance, and that was, that was probably the one I felt the most proud in. Ah, I see, and of course, Rick had been a, a bit of a derby as well, and there's always a bit of blood and thunder involved. Um, of course, rugby union, uh, it is a very physical sport. Um, there are some quite bad injuries on occasion. Um, 
what's the worst you've had in, in your time playing? Well, uh, touch wood, I've been just about alright with a few, I've, yeah, nothing, mate, I have my knee, I think I did the cat, well, I did the cartilage in my knee, it's in my left knee when I was 23, 24. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't stop playing, but it still bothers me now when I'm 27, so I probably should have had a couple of months off. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, I discussed this with my, my stepdaughter earlier on, actually. Um, some about things that that teachers say to deter you from doing certain things. Uh, my PE teacher at secondary school was a big rugby man, um, and he always told a story about somebody wearing a hoop earring and getting it, uh, somebody's finger stuck in it and ripping part of his ear off. Um, while he was in a, I think he was in a scrum at the time. Um, have you ever known anything like that happen? One of those sort of, one of those sort of tales, those cautionary tales that, uh, that, that either teachers or senior rugby people always tell. Um, oh, we once played a friendly game at Ackham up in Middlesbrough. Uh, and one of the lads, had, for his dinner before the match, had a chicken tikka masala. And as the scrum went down for scrum, just a friendly, so nothing too, you know, no pushing or shoving, nothing too nasty. He's gone down, crouched by engaged, and from the second row, someone's just spewed in the middle of the stone. And I've never seen a scrum get up so calmly, and he was very, very sheepish. Oh, no. That's dreadful. I I feared where that was going, and I thought that was where you were going with it. <laughs> That's very dignified. I'm not sure I could have <laughs> I could have got up quite so slowly and calmly. That's horrific. <laughs> it was there's 16 lads in this room, and we made sure 15 of them were all right, and the one who was sick was like you, dirty, dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, that, I dare say you won't have lived that down and probably get ribbed about it to this day. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's just one of the, one of the stories that, uh, that you hear coming out of the sport. Um, I mean, just in, in, in terms of, of COVID, obviously rugby's probably being hit, uh, worse than any sport because of the physical nature, because obviously, um, the, you, you can't really keep your distance from other people uh, on the field. Um, do you feel that the sports come through it now? Um, and, and are you optimistic ab- about the future? Do you know, I am actually. Uh, there was a point, possibly November 2020, where it was looking, I don't know, not looking bleak, but it was one of those where you're like, what happens now? It's been such a long time. The lads want to come back and play. Um, it feels like there's a bit of discussion with the RFU that we are privy to about restructuring the leagues, where it might be going to a more regionalised approach, a bit more, which, so we wouldn't be travelling to Newcastle maybe uh, as much. But it feels like the sports come through it as well as any sport can be. And, yeah, hopefully it can keep going for a lot longer. 
I was going to say, I don't suppose you'll miss those trips through the Tyne Tunnel um, on, a, on a Saturday. W- would you welcome a more regionalised approach? Um, I depends on the number of trips, doesn't it? I mean, I suppose if you go up to, I don't know who we played last time from there, North Shields, once a year, it's great. If you're going up every other week, it does get a bit wearing. So it might go to getting a friendly with a team in Tyneside for a, a trip out, which would be good. But yeah, I mean, as long as the leagues are of a standard, there's no point pouring to having teams of semi-professional lads against completely amateurs. But if they're of a standard and they're competitive matches, it would be. I wouldn't see an issue with playing in a more regionalised league. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, that brings us to the, to the present day. Um, you, uh, had a tremendous win, uh, last week over one of your, uh, rivals there, uh, towards the, uh, the foot of the, the Durham and Northumberland second division. Now, uh, I think you moved up a couple of places as well. Um, tell us more. That was a, a terrific win against Barnard Castle. Yeah, we did our best to lose it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, we played two different brands of rugby there. Very, got a big influence from the big private school there. Very good rugby players technically. We're a bit more direct. So, yeah, it was very good clash of styles, good game of rugby, and we managed to win by the odd point, which is even better. Uh, we get to play them again. As we're talking on Friday, we get to play them again tomorrow away due to a rescheduling peculiarity, which is going to be fun. I've, I can't remember doing it. I don't know if anyone else has maybe as a junior. It will be very interesting to play against. We know what they want to do. They know what we want to do. So. Yeah, I was going to say, and are you sort of thinking about individuals as well? I mean, presumably, you know, you'll be up against the, the people in the same positions, or you'll be like, oh, I'll see you next week, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, as we were shaking hands, it was kind of not a jokey thing, but it was not really, if there's any animosity beyond the pitch, but yeah, it's fun to get to do it. I mean, it's a bit like a lot of the lads, pro lads, with the video analysis, watching each other through the week, we've had the perfect chance to go and have a look, and they've had the perfect chance with us. Yeah, um, and of course, uh, it, it's been a, a good little run of late. Uh, crucial wins picked up. Um, presumably that's that's really lifted the lads as well in the camp. Yeah, it has. I mean, I've said to you every week, Andrew, and it, that we've played well in patches and a lot of the games, some of the games have been terrible, but a lot of the games we've had spells where we've looked very good and it seems like we're putting more together now, which is positive. But uh, I may have win this week. Uh, we've got win Leighton at home in a couple of weeks. In between that, we've got Gisborough and Hartlepool away, which will be two tough games. And then right away on the final day of the season. Uh, hopefully, we shouldn't be going to right and need any points. Touchwood will be in a position. But, yeah, it's we're coming out of... Since we're putting the things together that the coaching team have put in place, we've 
we've not let them down but we haven't been able to execute to the standard that we'd want to do this season but it's starting to come together now Absolutely. Uh, and just finally, uh, you, you've talked about uh, your own journey through the uh, through the ranks as a youngster and coming through to the senior teams. Um, I know they've got a, a really good setup uh, in Scarborough in that area as well. But for anybody listening in in the Whitby area, um, and and uh, maybe they have children who are interested in getting involved, or maybe they themselves want to to play a bit of rugby or, or try it out, uh, how would they go about it at Whitby? Um, for the kids, uh, ten o'clock on a Sunday morning, uh, between the ages of five and fourteen, they have teams set up. I think so. Yeah, just bring them down, pair of boots, tracky bottom shorts, run around, have fun, see where it goes. Uh, seniors, we train uh, eight till nine at the Astro. What was Cadman School? I can't. What's it called now? Is it the sixth form? I think it's Cabeman College, is it? Maybe the the uh, the, the, ch- the change, yeah. In, in terms of the, uh, so is it which which um, <laughs> which side it's, of the which side of the bridge is it? Is on the the, oh, the Cabeman site with the, the It was Cabeman. It's got the artificial surface, yeah. We're there on a Tuesday eight till nine and seven till eight on a Thursday. If not, if in any doubt, just drop a message to the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter page. We're all over social media. Just and we'll point you in the right direction. Fantastic. Hey, Bruce, it's been really good talking to you um, for this edition of the Extra Time podcast with Scarborough College, um, and uh, we'll hope uh, that uh, we can continue their ascendancy uh, this season and, uh, and get themselves well out of trouble in the Durham and Northumberland second edition. Thanks very much for your time today. Thanks, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.